Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin. We're here to give a little preview here of the Nebraska game, the Stripe the Stadium game, the night game here on Saturday evening at Spartan Stadium. I will be there. I will be in the stadium for the first time in a couple of years uh, in, in East Lansing. I am back home in the great state of Michigan visiting my parents right now. So I don't have the microphone set up. Uh, I got my Apple headphones, so forgive me if the audio is a little bit lower quality than, than normal. But, Scott, we're here. It is a Wednesday early evening. How are we doing today? Well, Tuesday early evening. I was going to say it's only Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on vacation, man. I don't really know or care what day it is. We're getting more and more, more, and more proactive, uh, for better or for worse. There may be plenty of news that comes out between now and game time. So if we miss any of it, well, we're not really that sorry. But we're 3-0. and uh, We are striping the woodshed this weekend. Um, before we go any further, Kevin, thoughts on the woodshed? It's kind of, it's more controversial than I expected. I, right. I, that was the biggest takeaway for me. I'm like, man, there are people that are like legitimately upset by this. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I, I like it. Like yeah, it's, it's like a it's, fun it's, little coachism. Yeah. And it's, I don't like Spartan stadium. Like, is there really anything emotionally attachable to that? I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying I like the big house, but I kind of like that they got that kind of unique name to it. And granted, there, I don't think is any wood in the woodshed, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like it. I, I think it's fun. I think it's something that, you know, players can kind of latch on to as something where you're kind of defending your turf, right? And Spartan Stadium, that's a nice name, but it's very generic. And, uh, and if we're going to really embrace this thing, I like it. Let's go for it. Yeah, I dig Strike it. the woodshed. You think about it, you got the big house, you got the horseshoe, you've got Happy Valley, you've got all kinds of different nicknames, and that's just in the Big Ten. I think it's nice to have one. Like you said, Spartan Stadium, while it, I'm sure it holds, you know, a, a dear place in a lot of our hearts, the name itself doesn't exactly, you know, stir up too many emotions. So, I think it's fun. I think it's something that adds a little bit of attitude, a little bit of flair, a little bit of swag, even though Mel Tucker said in his press conference today that he doesn't know what swag is. 
but uh but anyway yeah, I mean, so like UCF has the bounce house I've always loved that stadium nickname so yeah I woodshed I'm all about it so we are striping the woodshed this weekend um Mel Tucker wants 2,500 and no more uh Nebraska fans in there I think that's how many tickets they uh they sent over to the Nebraska athletic department so I'm sure there will be more Nebraska always travels well but uh, as someone who went to the Stripe the Stadium in 2014 against Oregon, uh, it's a really cool experience. It's fun. Night games are fun. Uh, adding that little bit of extra kind of uh, personality to the game certainly gets the fans a little bit more ratcheted up. I think it'll be a really good time. And it's kind of a vengeance game from that 2015. First time our team's undefeated 3-0 uh, since 2015. And obviously 2015, our only loss was Nebraska. Um, it was at Nebraska, but uh, but a little bit a little bit extra there. And um, before we get into the matchup and everything, a couple more notes on the game this weekend. They will be honoring um, Mike Sadler as well as their um, punter punter kicker who passed away, Sam Fultz, and Mylon Hicks. I think it's five years since Mylon Hicks passed away, so there'll be a little bit of extra emotion uh, there as well pregame. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Not too many players or coaches remaining who are around for that, but it's the first time we've hosted them in Spartan Stadium since those uh, those players passed away. So, um, but we're here to preview the Nebraska team. So and how we match up against them. They are two and two. They've had a quite a roller coaster of a season so far. Obviously, they opened with that well publicized and well watched game at Illinois. Um, which is looking like just a worse and worse and worse loss every <laughs> week. Uh, the Illini look terrible this year, um, but it's week one. We know what happened to us week one last year, and, and teams can change quickly after a matchup like that. They took care of business against a couple of uh, a couple of lower tier teams in Fordham and Buffalo in weeks. I guess that would be weeks one and two. And uh, and last week they they came out with a close loss, closer than a lot of people expected against at number three, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, the, the spread on that one was 22 and a half points and they kept it within seven. So they, you know, I was, I was telling you, I was kind of watching some of that game before we sat down and recorded this. Nebraska had the ball with less than a minute to go, no timeouts, but in college, you know, first down, stop the clock. Like those types of situations are a bit easier to manage in college than the NFL. They had the ball with a chance to go down and score to either tie or win, which I, I think any Nebraska fan, if, if going into that game, you told them that would be the situation. I think any, anybody would be thrilled with that, right? Against the number three Oklahoma team. So take that how you will. I, I mean, they still lost the game. They lost it, you know, in, in maybe kind of that gut-wrenching emotional fashion that, that can kind of demoralize a team if they take it the wrong way. Um, but it, it does, I don't know, it makes me a little bit nervous to see the way that they hung with an Oklahoma team that, while maybe a bit overrated, I think most people would agree is probably better than Michigan State right now. Uh, so that was an interesting result last week uh, for Nebraska that I did not see coming. Yeah, I'm going to steal your anecdote here um, that it was the first time in Oklahoma's last 66 games, I believe, 
that they scored less than 27 points. They only scored 23. So um, they still won, and, you know, a win is a win. But, you know, holding an Oklahoma team back who hasn't really struggled on offense against anyone over the last five-plus years is is very impressive. Um, and we're going to kind of, I think, fixate a little bit more on that game than the previous three. Again, week one against Illinois was a mess, and then the next two weeks were against subpar competition. Um, so, Kevin, I know you went through – you watched these highlights in this game pretty closely – um, I guess first and foremost, we'll talk about the Nebraska offense, but how did the Nebraska defense slow down this Spencer Rattler-led Oklahoma Sooners offense? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the this has always been a high-powered Oklahoma attack. The last time that they scored less than 27 points was September 3rd, 2016. That was the first game of the 2016 season. Uh, they scored 23 points in that one. And that was uh, before Lincoln Riley arrived. So since Lincoln Riley arrived in 2017, this was their lowest scoring game. Uh, and Nebraska, hats off to them for, for doing a great job. The thing that Nebraska did really well in this one was really limit Oklahoma getting that big play. Right, that's, that's how Oklahoma really kills people a lot of times. It's that shock play downfield. It's that 60-yard completion. And then that just sets off a whole wheel that, that starts rolling downhill, and you never really recover from it. They didn't really get that big play uh, the whole game. They just they dropped a lot of – from what I gathered, it was a lot of drop coverages. So – they were only rushing three or four guys. They weren't blitzing. They weren't really attacking. They were kind of sitting back. And this is, you know, kind of ties into what we were talking about coming out of the Miami-Michigan State game was it, they did it in a little bit different fashion. They weren't given that same cushion in the same kind of way as we were against Miami. But they were basically daring Oklahoma to put together – 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives and nickel and dime their way down the field. They weren't allowing that big play. And, uh, you know, to Oklahoma's credit, they, they started adjusting later in the game. But, yeah, Nebraska really just – they limited the passing game. Uh, Spencer Rattler only threw for 6.3 yards per attempt, which just from quick math I think is a career low. 70% uh, completions – but again, they just they were keeping everything in front of them and just daring them to to stay patient, nickel and diming them. Uh, the one thing that I gathered as far as Nebraska's defense is that when Oklahoma decided to kind of go turn to the ground game and start pounding the rock with their running backs, they have two good backs, and Eric Gray who was a transfer from Tennessee, and Kennedy Brooks. They both went well over five yards a carry in the game. So when they decided to turn and hand to the running backs, uh, they did a really good job. It was just the fact that this is Oklahoma and it's not really part of their offensive identity. So they had a really hard time just kind of sticking with that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when we look at kind of how our plan is to attack this Nebraska defense, we're going to see a lot of Kenneth Walker again. That's kind of my take on it. I mean, even Illinois, you go back to that Illinois week one game that you mentioned, 
Um, they had a lot of success on the ground against Nebraska. So we're going to see a heavy dose of Kenneth Walker and Jordan Simmons in this one, I think, because Nebraska's secondary uh, is, is pretty solid. Uh, but their, their front seven can definitely be exploited if, if you're going to stay patient with that power run game. So, um, yeah, it was more of a defensive battle than I think anybody expected. But this Nebraska defense is legit. I, I will give them that. Yeah, and even, I mean, both of these games against, Nebraska, uh, against Illinois and against Oklahoma, um, they forced them the other team to nickel and dime them. Illinois uh, scored 21 points on offense. They had a safety as well and a fumble return that ended up being the difference. Um, and Oklahoma scored a defensive two-point conversion. So both in both games, their defense only allowed 21 points. Um, we're certainly going to be looking for more than that. Is our offense capable of scoring more than an Oklahoma offense? Personally, I think yes, because I think we're more committed to the ground game as an effective way of moving the ball rather than just keeping a defense honest. Um, but – yeah, this this Nebraska defense, like you said, they are legit. They're going to make things challenging, and they're going to make you kind of putz your way down the field. If you remember Illinois, um, Brandon Peters got hurt after like four pass attempts in the first quarter of that game. And the reason they won is because their backup, Arthur Sitkowski, the transfer from Rutgers, basically was not asked to do anything other than nickel and dime. They didn't want him throwing beyond the chains. They wanted five yard outs. They wanted 10 yard uh, hitches. They wanted him making throws that they knew, you know, most college quarterbacks can make. And the way that the Nebraska defense lined up against that was basically giving him that. And so you just have to play, you know, steady, methodical offense. Um, And if you can run the ball, you'll have a chance. And I think, to that extent, Michigan State lines up well. Um, they can rely on that running game. The offensive line's going to have to do some work. The offensive line started to show kind of a chink in the armor last week. Most of um, Kenneth Walker's yards against Miami were outside the tackles. So I think that's something we're going to want to improve, being able to run between the tackles. But obviously, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker is going to be able to do what he does with his vision and with his cutbacks. Um, and, and that's going to keep the Nebraska defense honest. On the other yeah. side of the ball, sorry. I was going to say real quick before we move on, I, I will mention that Cam Taylor Britt, Nebraska's corner, is it's another good test for Jaden Reed, probably is going to be lined up against him a lot. He's one of the better corners in the Big Ten. He is not one of the better return men in the Big Ten. He makes a lot of boneheaded decisions when he's back there. They've kind of rotated him as a returner. Um, they've, they've kind of moved him away from it. I don't know if you guys remember the Illinois game when he made that just boneheaded move when he was going back. He fielded the punt at like the one-yard line. He was going to get safety, and then he just tossed it forward. Um, so as a returner, he makes some questionable decisions, but as a corner, he's a really good player. So, um, another good test for Jaden Reed after, uh, Stevenson last week for Miami, uh, a really good corner. He gets another one here this week against Cam Taylor Britt, uh, who's, who's also a willing tackler in the run game. So, um, that's going to be a good test for Jaden Reed. Yeah. So that's your strength on strength. Uh, it's weird to say Michigan State's offense is our strength. We haven't had that probably since 2014. Um, but that's the reality. We're going to want our offense to lead us through this one. On the other side of the ball, um, our defense, you know, it has holes at this point. We know the corner play is a little bit shaky. 
you know, the defensive line's been on and off as far as the, the pressure that they can, can generate on the opposing quarterback. Um, but the, the plus side is this Nebraska offense outside of Adrian Martinez really doesn't have a whole lot of exceptional playmakers. This offense really lives and breathes through Martinez. Um, that said, Adrian Martinez is a tough cover. He's, you know, he's had a thousand plus passing yards all for, you know, the last four years, he's already passed that this year. Last year was a bit of a strange year, but he's also had at least 500 yards on the ground um, the last three seasons. And he's well on his way this year, along with is, quite a few scores with his legs. Is Adrian Martinez, you know, we have that, like, I don't know, maybe it's, we can name it after former Kansas basketball player, Perry Ellis. There's like the Perry Ellis 10 year college player award. I think Adrian Martinez wins that award because not only has he been their starter for the last four seasons, but his brother, Taylor Martinez, was a a starter there for, I think, three, maybe four seasons um, a few years before him. So it feels like we've had the same player at quarterback for Nebraska since like 2010. Uh, But yeah, he's, he's been doing it for a long time there at Nebraska, running and passing. I think his freshman season was still his best season there, uh, but no doubt he can burn you with his legs if you let him. He's got a wonky throwing motion. Uh, you'll, you'll see that on display on Saturday. But when a guy's open, he can hit him. Um, he's got an arm, so when the deep ball is open, he can get it there. It's just that he's incredibly inconsistent as a passer, and, and you'll see a few boneheaded decisions. You'll see a few just head-scratching throws that's part of the Adrian Martinez experience. Yeah. I mean, his legs are his main threat. He had a 75 yard touchdown run against Illinois. He has, I wouldn't say breakaway speed, but it's, if he gets behind you, it's hard to catch up. Um, and he's, you know, long stridey springy runner. Yeah, it's a bit different than Derek King, right? Derek King's that little jitterbug short, you know, make you miss in a phone booth type of guy. Adrian Martinez is more of the, yeah, he'll get out and stride. And if he breaks the pocket and he has space and he can get moving, he can get moving pretty good. Uh, But he's definitely not that short area, you know, make a guy miss type of athlete that De'Aaron King was last week. Yeah, I think what we'll see with his legs, I think it'll be a bigger part of their game plan this week. Uh, attacking our defense than Derek King. I mean, King made a couple plays with his legs, but really was expected to throw the ball. Um, Martinez, especially given his shaky experience passing, will be relied on as as a run-first option in this game. And I think this is an opportunity, again, just like last week for Quiveris Crouch to kind of just sit back there and, and spy a lot of the game. I think he's going to be – he has the athletic profile to stick with him you know, it simplifies the game for him. So he's not stuck out in coverage, trying to make all these different reads. And, uh, and we saw it last week that Crouch can go sideline to sideline against fast players. Uh, he was chasing De'Aaron King all the way to the sidelines, as well as other skilled players. I think it's an opportunity for him to really show his stuff. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I think if we can force Adrian Martinez to sit in the pocket with a little bit of pressure in his face and try to make throws from there, I think it's going to be a great, uh, afternoon, evening for us. 
but if if we let him outside the pocket, and we did a great job against Derek King with this last week, staying in our rushing lanes and keeping him contained. Um, but if we let Martinez outside the pocket to extend plays and keep his eyes downfield against you know the corners that have been hit or miss so far this season, uh, that's I think where we could run into some issues. So all in all, Kevin, I think our defense lines up pretty well from what we've seen. Uh, so far this year quick note too on Martinez is you know I just want to kind of expand on a point you made with the way that they use him a bit more in the running game with Derek King we talked a lot about you know keep this guy in the pocket and it was a lot more of just avoiding the scramble plays and you know defensive ends you have to be careful that you're not getting too far upfield on your rush so that he can just step up and, and slip that gap that you leave open. Um, with Adrian Martinez, they do a bit more of the actual design QB run or that zone read stuff. So you're not going to – you need a, an experienced defensive end, and luckily we have a bunch of them between Beasley and Panishuk and and even Jordan, where – you're going to need to just hold your ground there because if you crash inside on that handoff motion to the running back, then he's just going to pull that thing out and, and run for 10, 15 yards until the defensive back can get there. Right. Miami didn't do a whole lot of that zone read stuff. Nebraska does a bit more of it. So a lot of discipline is going to be required again this week in a little bit of a different fashion where again, last week it was more, you know, avoid the scrambles, keep them in the pocket. This week it'll be more don't bite on that running back action on the zone read. Let the defensive tackles and the linebackers take care of that. You just have to stay disciplined, stay there, and not allow Adrian Martinez to pull that ball and run for an easy first down. Yeah, so like I said, their offense, it lives and breathes. It lives and dies through Adrian Martinez. So you shut him down, you keep him in the pocket, force him to beat you with his arm. Uh, I think I think we, we stand a, a good chance here. Um, and then it, it'll just be down to our offense moving that ball, staying patient against that staunch Nebraska defense, and finishing drives for both these offenses. That's going to be the key when they get down into the red zone. Can they get touchdowns? Uh, are they going to have to rely on field goals? Nebraska has a bit of a kicking problem. That's a storyline to follow here. <laughs> a bit of a problem is is one way to put it. They're, this is outrageous. This I've never seen something like this before. Their kicker, uh, Connor Culp, won Big Ten Kicker of the Year last year. Um, I don't have his stats from last year up. But I, yeah, yeah, last season he, he was uh, – I just had this here – he was 13 for 15. No, no, no. I'm looking at the wrong. Okay, yep. 13 for 15. He was 20 for 20 on extra points. I mean, he was money. Big time kicker of the year. And then 2021 came. <laughs> he is now 13 of 16 on extra points. Uh, and three for eight on field goals. Three for eight. I mean, he was the difference against Oklahoma last week. They would have been, I think, at least tied, if not winning, last week had he made all his kicks. Uh, he is, he's losing them games. I mean, I hate to put it that way. I'm sure Connor Culp is not going to come across this podcast. But he has been the difference in, in games this year. For yeah, them. we talked about this before we started recording, and you, you 
mentioned the term the yips. I mean, this guy's he missed a 35-yarder last week. He's missed two extra points last week, uh, two weeks ago against Buffalo. Uh, he had a 50-yarder that bounced off the upright that has to be just so frustrating you're finally trying to get back into the swing of things you got a 50 yarder and he bank it off the post the the funniest part is that they benched him right they benched a kicker which just doesn't happen they bring in a freshman kellen meyer his first attempt was an extra point that Oklahoma blocked and took it to the house for a two-point conversion the other way. Like, Nebraska's kicking game is just spiraling to a, to a degree that I've, nev- I've never seen before. You don't see teams in four games miss three extra points. Have one of, They've had probably almost as many points against on extra points the last couple weeks than they have four. It's outrageous. I've never seen anything like this. So, yeah, I'm curious to see if they stick with Connor Culp. So keep an eye out for that, um, guys, as, as you're watching this game. Whenever Nebraska ends up getting into the red area or if they score, keep an eye on who the kicker is. If it's Connor Culp, that is really interesting. And if it's not, um, then I think it's a freshman behind him. So, not a reliable situation there. So if this is a close game, which I think the line is is like Michigan State minus three right now, if it is that close, that could be a huge difference in this one. Yeah, and it'll impact the play calling, right? I mean, if you're the offensive coordinator for Nebraska, oh, it has you're sitting to. there, you know, fourth and short, you're at like maybe a 45-yard field goal, fourth and two, fourth and three. Even in like a tie game, I mean, you got to sit there and think. And uh, yeah, you're and in four down territory. As soon as you exit punting distance, you're in four down territory, right? I mean, this guy missed a 35 yarder last week. Well, they're missing. You extra can't points. rely on him. You can't rely on him anywhere, right? So, I mean, like if if you're in this situation and you're at fourth and goal on the seven. Normal football says like fourth and seven, like you don't take that. But I don't know, man. Like you might just have to go for that. It's outrageous to say, but that that's where Nebraska's at right now with the kicking game. It's it's really fascinating. Like I said, I've I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully, the word gets around in Spartan Stadium, and the woodshed can get loud when they roll out the kicking unit. Um, add a little extra pressure. I'm sure they'll have plenty of pressure, whoever the kicker is, in, in his head already. But um, You remember when Minnesota used to do that, um, that like world-famous old viral YouTube video of like the hamster doing the like – Minnesota used to put that up the video board before opposing – extra points or field goals or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Spartan stadium, uh, the woodshed video people will do something just to get in their heads a little bit more. I don't know, but that just seems cruel at this point. Just pile it on. Also, we need to get the word out about swag surfing. Speaking of getting the word out, if there happen to be any students who listen to this, I know our demographics is a little older, but if any students are listening, please do your homework. Because that's going to be really lame if we continue to do that and nobody really does it. 
Um, so please do your homework, read up on the history, I guess for the youths that are at MSU these days, that might be history to them. Yeah. Um, right. But it would make it a lot more fun. And Mel Tucker wants you guys in there early. He said it in his press conference today, he wants the fans in the, in the building when they roll out for warmups. So uh, should be a nice evening. Um, get plenty out of time, plenty of time to tailgate, right? You can, you can, you can have a nine-hour tailgate and still get to the game on time. So, you know, for me, like I said, I, I'll be at the game. We got a group, uh, a pretty sizable group of people going. We plan to, to definitely be in there by warm-ups. You know, we, a lot of us haven't been to a game in, in a couple of years here. So we have plenty of time to tailgate, plenty of time to still get in there early for, for by the time the players are getting onto the field. Um, we're going to be in the stands we're going to be swag surfing. I am thrilled to be back in East Lansing. I've, man, Scott, when's the last time you were in East Lansing? This, this place is not the same East Lansing that we went to school in. It's, it's night and day, man. This is a, a completely different city than, than we went to school in. I am ashamed to say the last time I was in East Lansing was the spring of 2017. Uh, it's been, Four and a half years. Uh, it was my now fiance's graduation right before we moved out of state. So uh, I have seen pictures and everything, and everybody who's been back has said the same thing. I'm like, you, you know, that that main strip on Grand River is unrecognizable. It um, really is. Campus obviously is still kind of similar. They've got that new STEM building at the old, mm-hmm. I think it's the old power plant um, outside the stadium, which looks awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I want to get back. I'm not going to get back to campus this season. I will be at the Rutgers game. Um, so I Yeah, will, you've been to a few road games. I know you're I at have. Like, the Penn State road game. So, yeah, I yeah, will be front be... row, 30-yard line behind the MSU bench for the Rutgers game. Ooh. So I will uh, hopefully, you know, make some eye contact with Mel Tucker, maybe get a picture of a couple <laughs> of the fans, couple or a couple players, high fives. We'll see. Hopefully it's a good – I'm starting to get a little more worried about Rutgers. Like last year felt kind of like a fluke, but now I'm starting to think they're like, like I'm really sick. interested. You know, they'll be on the picks podcast this Friday coming up because they got Michigan. I'm really interested to see how that game plays out, but yeah, um, this is going to be like, I, do you have it up right now? I think it's a three point line. It the last time that three, I looked at it, was, it. I was on FanDuel yesterday. I would assume that that got that up, man. Yeah, it was at four and a half when I looked yesterday. I thought it would be like six, six and a half I, for MSU. I, I did too, but I think, I think when you look at the kind of history of Michigan State, Nebraska, maybe that made people a little bit weary. Nebraska has taken – nine of 11 in this series all time and the last few years have been all Nebraska man we remember that 2015 game obviously 39 to 38 Nebraska Uh, 2018 they got us nine to six Uh, they got us in 2012 they got us in 2011 Uh, they've been they've been running this series as of late so we're gonna have to get back on track Mel Tucker is 1-0 as a head coach against Scott Frost. Uh, Colorado beat Nebraska, and uh, it was either overtime or double overtime back in 2019. So Mel Tucker is a little bit familiar with 
Martinez with Scott Frost. You know, he played against this offense before at Colorado. So we'll see if, if we get any advantage out of that, you know, little bit of history. But, yeah, it's, it, it might be a close game. And, again, keep an eye on special teams, which is going to be massive in this game. And, uh, I, yeah, like you said, I think we're going to deploy a very similar defensive scheme to what we did against Miami last week. We're just keeping everything in front of you, forcing Martinez to be consistent, forcing Martinez to be patient, two things that he is absolutely not as a quarterback. And if we keep Adrian Martinez under 100 rushing yards and we, we avoid any big plays, you know, if, if we get into situations where he's converting third downs with his legs consistently, that's where you're going to start to worry. But if we can keep his legs um, neutralized, I think, uh, you know, that's going to be huge for this defense. We'll have our picks on Friday. So you'll see what we have to say as, as far as, uh, you know, who's going to win or lose and by how much. But, but I, I think that's really the key to the game is just keeping – Martinez's legs neutralized and on the offensive side of the ball I think Kenneth Walker's going to have himself a big day if that Oklahoma tape told me anything yeah so there you have it I think um yeah where we can't give our picks I almost just did I almost just blew it um, <laughs> I almost did too so but we'll hold on to that I will ask you Kevin just for fun over unders at 51 and a half that's not part of our normal picks just given what we've broken down today what do you think on, on 51 and a half? Uh, so 51 and a half, that's, that's saying something like, I don't know, 28, 23 or something like that, right? Um, if the Vegas line yeah. is about five, six points. So, um, you know, I don't – that's, that's tough. Uh, I would probably lean with the under – it just depends, you know, if, if we can break a couple of those big plays like we have and, and run up 30, 35 points, I, I would probably lean towards the under, but I don't feel strongly about it whatsoever. Yeah, I think our defense is going to hold them to a low number. Um, from what I've seen with, from this Nebraska offense this year, I think they're going to struggle to get to that 20 mark, but their defense looks strong. I think this will be the best defense that we've seen so yeah. far this season. Um, so Agreed. I, I think, yeah, I, I'd put like, I can't say it. Never mind. I almost did it again. All right. We got to get out of here <laughs> well, we'll, before I'll be there. Section two. I don't remember what row, but if you're in section two and you see a, a relatively tall human wearing a green shirt, there'll probably be a lot of them. <laughs> um, just listen, listen for my voice. That'll be me. So, uh, if anybody's going to be there. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to send me a DM uh, for anybody that's going to be tailgating, for anybody who's going to be at the game, uh, and you want to meet up, I'm open to it. We'll be there. We'll be drinking. We'll be having a good time. My first Michigan State game in East Lansing in a, in a couple of years here. Uh, after the COVID thing last year, like uh, we both mentioned, we both live out of town now. So when we come back, it's, it's a trip, and, and it happened to coincide here with a couple home games, we'll see if I can make it to the Western Kentucky game as well. But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, subscribe, uh, tell your friends and family, follow the podcast. We really appreciate, appreciate all of the support that we've gotten up to this point. You guys are the absolute best. Um, Spartan nation is, is undefeated. So 
incredibly exciting start to the season. We'll see what we have in store over the next, uh, you know, 10 or so weeks here. It's been a blast. It will continue being a blast. So tell your friends and family. We'll, we'll keep spreading the good word of the Standing Room Spartans far and wide here. So hope everybody has a, an enjoyable middle of the week here, hump day on Wednesday. And we'll see you guys on Friday for the picks. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.